the content that we put out there, I mean, it costs us. It's a huge amount of our time and effort and sometimes um, money and team members, etc. So I think just charging early on and knowing your worth and value and having that intention from the get-go because you'd be surprised how many people do want to pay you and do want to buy from you. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our 9 to 5. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this episode, I speak with Natalie, who is an author, speaker, triathlete, and the host of the podcast, Untapped. Natalie aims to help others tap into their human potential and learn to get paid to be themselves. So listen on to find out how she's been able to help female entrepreneurs build an online business they love and can do from anywhere. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be with Natalie. Hey, Natalie, how are you? I'm brilliant, thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, I because <laughs> offbeat lives are just so much better, right? Um, <laughs> I think for me, a little bit about me is I definitely chose my offbeat life back in 2008, 2009. I've been working in the corporate world in London. I've been working in the corporate world right up until that point. And I decided that enough was enough and I was done with my corporate job and the bureaucracy and the oh, just all the office politics and not being able to make a real impact in my job. And I took a one-way ticket to Canada, to Vancouver. I've never been. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to land there and do my own thing. Like I didn't know what that thing was, but I was determined to work for myself. I played some world championship ultimate frisbee over there. That's my thing. And, and then I was literally like, okay, I don't know anybody here. I don't know what I'm going to do. And just basically networked at all the events that I could until I found my co-founder and business partner, Daryl, who's awesome, and we started a tech company. So I went from literally this corporate girl into being a homeless, unemployed bum with really great marketing, brand management, event management, business skills, and um, started this tech company together building out a Facebook app. And it was during that time that I started blogging about it because I don't know about you, but whenever I'm learning at the speed of light and diving into entrepreneurship was like the biggest lesson one could ever learn. Everything was new. It was coming at you so quickly. You were learning these skills, failing fast and failing often. And I started blogging about it because I was just so fascinated on the journey and particularly to reach out and connect with other women entrepreneurs because I was in a pretty male-dominated industry. But long story short, that blog became my passion and my business partner actually noticed it. And even though we're working super well together, he's like, nah, I've never seen someone just take to something so much and love it. Maybe you should turn it into a business. And I was like, huh, I hadn't even considered it at that time. But the audience started growing and I was just loving writing and interviewing people and figuring out the whole blogging sphere and didn't have a list, wasn't making any money at that point. But I really just decided to run with it, which was, you'd know, it's really tricky when you walk away from something and your salary 
and the startup and go, oh, that's right, I have a blog and it doesn't pay me anything. So the next six to 12 months was me working out how to build a list, how to create offers and my first course, all of it centered around using social media to grow your business, which was really awesome. And straight forward to today, like that blog became my multiple six-figure business, The Suitcase Entrepreneur. It became an entire platform for business coaching and teaching and courses. It became a best-selling book. It's had me on TED Talks. I mean, it's just nuts to think that it all started from writing and posting a blog. <laughs> well, that is quite a journey that you definitely <laughs> went into. I mean, from corporate now to a nomadic entrepreneur, and now you are actually based in, um, is it New Zealand? It's or New Zealand, yeah. Yeah. So that has been pretty, oh you know, a wild ride, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'd love to hear from other people in your community, including yourself. But, you know, I've been, I was traveling full on for about, eight years and six and a half years of those were out of my suitcase, literally bouncing around the world like a crazy lady running my business, having adventures. It was amazing. And then I got to this point where I was like, oh, wow, I think I might just want to put down some old roots and um, be closer to my family because my dad actually got really sick and passed away. And it, it just kind of struck me that hmm, maybe it's time to come back to beautiful Aotearoa, as we call it here, land of the long white cloud. So it's been, a, as you say, a real journey because so much of my sense of identity was bundled up in being the suitcase entrepreneur and the traveling lady and the digital nomad and the, yeah, just so much of it. So coming back here felt like a, wow, I have to sort of integrate back into a community and a society and they don't really get what I do and they don't understand online businesses and they don't, they don't know how I did what I did for so long and still do. Um, it's actually just been like a new education for me and I think for most people who get to meet me who just simply couldn't quite fathom what what we do in their offbeat life. <laughs> well, a lot of people definitely don't understand the lifestyle. And it's really interesting when we tell people what we do, they're like, how do you make that sustainable and stable? And now everyone wants multiple streams of income or now everybody is forced into remote work. So the tide has turned to <laughs> us. <laughs> Yeah, don't you think I'm so excited? Like now I feel I can actually talk to people and they get it because they're, you know, they've got used to using all the tools online. They can work remotely. They've suddenly realized they can run their job or their company or whatever from home or anywhere just using Wi Fi and a laptop. So I feel like, yeah, our job has become slightly easier of not having to educate people on how this is possible. And I think more and more people are realizing that this is also something that they want because they have been able to dive into it before. There's still a lot of fears that would stop them. And now it's like, OK, I have no choice and I'm actually really loving this. Yeah, and I think that's the surprising thing. And for sure, there will be people who are like, uh -uh, remote working, just not for me. Don't love working from home. Not good with rituals and routines, which you, you really need to develop. But for other people, they're like, wow, this is pretty awesome. No commute, no long meetings, lots of freedom and independence. You get to work in the way that suits you and your energy. You get to work at the times that within reason, you know, work better for you. And then you get to go out and enjoy your life and, and be close to the loved ones and have fun. So I think it's really fascinating to see how people are going to slowly emerge from this and change their very ways of working and living. 
It's definitely an interesting time, that's for sure. Mm. Now, going back to your journey from corporate and then traveling around, starting a business, and then leaving that to start your own company and a website and a blog, was that transition from your business with a business partner a lot different from actually starting a blog that maybe you didn't have as much experience in? How did you prepare to make that transition? <laughs> I was just thinking about the word prepare and I was like, I just made the leap actually, which is hilarious. It's kind of how I best operate sometimes is just jumping in the deep end and figuring it out. I think because I'd already been on such a roller coaster ride around 18 months in the entrepreneurial world and especially in the tech world where everything happens at speed, I was still just in so much of a learning mode and literally soaking up and consuming everything I could from people, mentors, other entrepreneurs, learning courses, events. So it didn't feel like much of a transition. It just felt like suddenly I didn't have any income and I was all on my own, which I wanted to be. Like I wanted this to be my thing. But um, I guess the biggest transition was really just realizing, okay, well, you're responsible. You're the CEO of your own life right now. Every decision you make is going to be the outcome that you either wanted or didn't, depending on your attitude and what you do. So I think it was more just really realizing that I had to take responsibility for everything. And if I really wanted this beautiful location independent lifestyle, then it was up to me to figure out how to structure my business and make it happen. Yeah. It's so amazing what can actually happen once you finally take that leap. It's so scary, especially in the beginning. And I mean, honestly, it's scary throughout everything, <laughs> but so many things starts to happen once you just take that first step. I know, right? And I think it's, you should always be on that journey. I think you should always be learning and growing and pushing your boundaries because it, it never stops and the scariness never stops because once you get to a certain stage of maybe comfortable and this feels good, there'll be something that will force you to grow again and extend more and go bigger or you know do something more scary, maybe a big project. So I feel like you should never stop learning and, and just knowing that there'll be times when you feel great and there'll be times when you're like, I don't actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> Does anybody else feel like this? Even when you've got tons of experience behind you. And I think that's just part of accepting the journey. Yeah. You mentioned it took you about six or so months to learn a lot of the things that you needed to do to make your website and your business grow. What were some of the best strategies that you were able to learn to make that company work? You know, honestly, the biggest thing was self-belief. So I really wish that earlier on I had gone, this is a business and this is what I want to be doing and take it seriously. I think initially I, I'm not going to say faffed around because I was working really hard. I was hustling. I was building community, but I was also not building an email list and I was sticking with things that I loved, but not necessarily learning more skills around what it takes to convert wonderful readers of your blog and listeners of your podcast into customers. Um, I wasn't focused on all the elements of the funnel, the sales funnel, which is super important. So I knew who my lovely community were. I knew what they wanted. I was producing content for them and some products for them, but I didn't have a very good flow and effect of what next and how could they grow with me. And I, I feel like that's a rookie mistake that a lot of people make. You kind of start out doing something that maybe you love or you're curious about, and then you, you throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks, and then you don't continue to go back and improve and refine and build the systems in place. Well, you do, and I do now. But when you start, I feel like it's the 
you kind of get into this mode of just hustle and go and not ever taking time to reflect and go, is this a good strategic move? Will this actually help me? Is this the right next step? And there's a lot of things that we do in our business that become a habit and we don't realize that it's actually either not giving us value or it's a waste of our time to do. And that's a really (laughs) hard thing to learn too. And believe me, I mean, Natalie, obviously she started in corporate, started her own business. And now this one, it takes a long time to really figure this out. So if you're just starting out, don't feel bad. We made a lot of mistakes before learning all of this. Oh my gosh. And, and still do. Like I have surprised myself last year. This is like nine and a half, 10 years in business. And I just made a really poor mistake on a launch. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it just knocked me for six. I was like, I should know better than that. And then I sat back and I was like, you know what? It's a great learning lesson. Like it just shows and proves to you that you can't rest on your laurels. You can't assume that you know enough. You should always be learning and growing and you should always be testing and and having those feedback loops, not assuming that you know what you know and that's good enough. It was a really helpful lesson for me because it's helped me like do so many great things this year because I never want to get back to feeling like I did back then. So yeah, always learn the lesson. Can you tell us one of or maybe more mistakes that you have made in your business and what was a consequence? How did that allow you to realize what you needed to do to pivot? Yeah, I can tell you several. Um, The first would be that one that I mentioned about just not having an email list for about six to nine months. And I, I tell every single client that I work with now you need to do this right now. It just was such a missed opportunity for all these people who were reading my blog and wanting to connect further and they just had no way. (laughs) Like literally aside from the contact form, they had no way. Second was that once I started building that community and that email list, I just gave them so much great free content and I poured my heart and soul into it. And so they got used to free and me giving a ton away. And so when I did actually go to sell my first thing, I think people were like, oh, we need to pay for this goodness. (laughs) So um, that mentality of, you know, wanting to to over deliver and give value, but also knowing your worth and at which point you need to be charging. And I get that question a lot. I'm sure you do too, but I feel like you actually need to come right out of the gate with always having a paid offer that is a great upgrade for somebody who's been enjoying your free content because the content that we put out there, I mean, it costs us, it's a huge amount of our time and effort and sometimes um, money and team members, et cetera. Um, So I think just charging early on and knowing your worth and value and having that intention from the get-go because you'd be surprised how many people do want to pay you and do want to buy from you. And the third, I would say, was not outsourcing early enough. What forced me in the end to do it is I went on a big bike ride trip in 2012 down through Africa. So I knew I'd be pretty much offline and not able to work for two months. And I was like, crap, I actually, I think I had enough systems at that point, but I was like, "Mm, I don't know if my business is going to sort of make it through, which sounds terrible. You know, like, am I still going to earn money while I'm cycling? I put all my coaching clients on hold and they were great with that. But then I was like, what about customer service and about social media? Will people miss me and know that I'm even gone? Um, And surprise, surprise, they kind of don't, but (laughs) not that big a deal. I think I learned from that. Um, But I hired my first virtual assistant at that point in two weeks with two weeks to go. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need somebody to take this away from me and, and look after it. And I was like, wow, why didn't I do that? from the get-go. And I know a lot of people think I can't afford anybody, but um, I know we talked a little bit about this on my podcast. It's if you're, if you value your time at even $40 an hour and somebody is going to cost you 15 or 20, but the thing that you do 
in that hour is worth so much more than that, then it's absolutely critical that you start handing off some of the admin and some of the work that just doesn't light you up so that you can focus on what you're really good at. And I think when I did that in that two-week period, I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this earlier? Why didn't I systemize this? Why didn't I put this in place? Why didn't I hand this over? I've been doing it day in, day out for two years. <laughs> I'm really good at it, but somebody can do it just as well as me if I show them and, and for less. And then I get to focus on the stuff I'm really good at. So those would be the three that I think were pretty critical. And I've taken those lessons with me forever and applied them into my business every single day. Yeah, I think too, we really underestimate our value. Like you said, Natalie, you know, there's so many times where we waste a lot of effort and energy on things that we can easily hire somebody out to do and learn how to grow our business way more than we actually do if we just stopped doing (laughs) those things that don't need you. You're the CEO of the company. You shouldn't be, you know, doing all of these little tiny things that Mm -hmm. you think are so crucial. And like you said, a lot of times, you know, people don't even notice them. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It's also because we're creatives and we feel like, oh my gosh, we have to be on this. This has to be pretty. This has to be this. And people (laughs) are like, okay, as long as it has value, I'm great. (laughs) Can I share an example of that just that's happening for me right now? So I'm um, I'm right in the process of launching a membership called the 10K Club. And I've been on, I've been talking about it very subtly for the last three to four weeks. And I've been developing the framework and figuring out how to make it an amazing membership that's not overwhelming and overloaded, but super focused. And I started having conversations with some of my clients who were super keen. And I told them about the vision and they're like, I'm in. I'm like, oh, great. So I started, you know, in my head, writing up these people going, great, they're in, they're in. And then I had people apply, just a very simple link, apply. And I've been having phone conversations with those people for the last week. And then all of these people are now, I've literally never got to a point where all these people are like, Natalie, did I miss the sales page? Did I miss enrollment? Can you send it to me? And I'm the bottleneck right now because I've been a little bit like you said, I've been working on not making it look pretty, but making sure that the copy and the message is bang on. I worked with a copywriter as well, just to make sure it's awesome. I've done a little bit of design. I've created this beautiful sales page and podium. I've done all this stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, you still haven't got it to them. And I just had some email this morning going, did I miss it? And I was like, oh, I could have probably just gone with the most simple thing. Like, hey, we talked, you know the vision, let's just get started and I'll share it with you. But I wanted it to be <laughs> amazing, right? So I want it to be the right experience from the get-go um but i definitely normally go the minimum viable product of will this work let's test it let's get people engaged and then you can improve it from there so it's been quite a, a good lesson for me like i'm really proud of it but i definitely could have moved it forward more quickly and not try to put so much in because people were already enrolled <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are our biggest bottleneck in a lot of ways mm-hmm. with our business if we don't realize that and pivot and make sure that we're changing things. Because, you know, even with me, when I first started, I, I had three other businesses before this one and everything had to be perfect. The logo had to be pretty, the colors had to be great, and nobody <laughs> really cared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like less time for you to make money, you know? Oh my gosh. It's so crazy. But yeah, learn from from our mistakes, folks, it doesn't have to be perfect for you to have a great product that people will buy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Natalie, when you finally set off to have your website, you left your other business, how did you actually land your first client and start making income? 
Great question. So when I got to that point and realized, actually, I didn't tell you this, but I I was living in Vancouver, which is a pretty pricey city, and I had rent coming up and it was about $800 a month. I mean, it was ridiculous um, at that time. And I thought to myself and looked at my bank account, I don't actually have enough money to pay rent this month. And I think that was the first time in my life. Like I've always had part-time jobs, even throughout university, I've always been really good with savings. And I just hadn't managed this because being in a startup, you don't get paid much. And I, you know, you're working all these hours and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And I, you know, I remember talking to my mum on the phone who was back in New Zealand. She's going, we can send money across, you know, don't, you go hungry. And I was like, not going to go hungry, but I was like, no, actually, you know what, mum, it's really kind of you, but no, I want to, I want to know what this feels like to hit rock bottom, rock bottom and not have enough to pay my rent. Like I need to experience this because I never want to be here again. And I was freaking out and worrying. And I actually had been talking to a client about doing social media consulting for them. And we had a meeting. I I never, ever forget it. We had a meeting on the Friday in a cafe in downtown Vancouver. And I remember saying, um, I presented them with a proposal and they're like, okay, so it's $2,000. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, great. And I was like, yeah, and 50% of that's up front today if we're starting today. And they're like, oh, don't normally do 50%. I was like, well, that's how consultants work. I was totally like just (laughs) winging it. And they're like, okay. And so they wrote me out a check at the cafe table. And after we finished, I ran across the road. I hope they didn't see me. I ran across the road and banked <laughs> it like, to cover my rent that was going out the next day. And I just remember being like, oh, holy, I don't, it was one of those miraculous feelings where I was like, okay, never again. So I knew at that point that the consulting wasn't for me. I mean, it was good money, but I just felt like I was really working for somebody else. That really forced me into looking at my first um, way to get paid. And I actually ran social media boot camp. So I decided to run a physical workshop. I built up enough of a reputation and network in Vancouver kind of as a social media lady by that point. And I had a good credibility from the startup and I ran this boot camp and I tapped into some government funding. So every single person, it was $1,500 for them to come for a full weekend workshop, but they only had to pay a hundred because the rest was covered by this government funding. So it was brilliant. It was a win-win for everybody. Um, and I remember going from literally broke to $15,000 in a month because I ran three of them and they were a sellout. And I was like, oh my gosh, this felt amazing. So that was my first path to revenue. And then I did what most people wouldn't do. I didn't double down and continue to do that. I went, oh, I'm going to take off around the world and travel. I think I can take this online and do it from anywhere, Um, which I highly recommend, but maybe giving yourself a little bit more leeway and wiggle room. Like the minute I had the workshop, I was like, I can just create an online course for the first time in my life and figure it all out, which I did. So I ran a webinar. I remember I had 100 people sign up, 30 people come to the webinar and one person buy, and it was a 297 US course. And I was so thrilled. I, I, Debbie, I was so thrilled with one sale. I was amazed that somebody was prepared to pay me that. I know it sounds so funny now, but I was like, oh my gosh, somebody sees value in what I can teach and what I can share. And I made way more sales after that, but I was just so thrilled. And that was my first like online sale. And from there, I just, I was off and running. I was listening to my audience. I was creating not heaps, but just digital products and eBooks that really they needed. So I created a toolkit for entrepreneurs. You can run your business from anywhere. I created a premium version of that with a course. I started offering a social media club to go along with the course. So it was like a membership and just continue to basically ask, listen, and produce based on what my community needed. Can I also say that 
every time I sell something, mm-hmm. I still celebrate. I start jumping up and down, even if it's uh, just one. <laughs> yes, so do I actually. That's true. But you know, you never forget your first sale. Can you remember your yeah. first, you know, make money online moment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first time I've actually made money was through a brand sponsorship for my podcast. But the first, first, because honestly, I haven't really done digital products until like early this year. And when I first sold my ebook, oh my gosh, I was like, oh my God, I could rule the world now. I mean, <laughs> somebody actually bought something that I created. This is crazy. It's it's like euphoria. You feel this like moment of elation and then you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you do. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's a good feeling. But honestly, being an entrepreneur is definitely an up and down. One day you get a sale and then like two weeks later, nothing. And you're like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's definitely worth it. And you learn from every single one of those sales. You know, you start to pivot. And like you said, there's a lot of different strategies that you have to do in order to get the sales going. Yeah. What about now, Natalie? Is there a big setback that you are encountering right now as an entrepreneur? And can you tell us a little bit of the strategies that you're using in order to solve those issues? Oh, I would love to be having a major setback right now, but I have to say I'm in absolute like a mode of abundance and being of service. So I I did have a setback, well, probably a couple of months ago and that I was just, um, I wouldn't say lost, but I was like, which of these things do I want to do? And then this pandemic came along and it just got me hyper-focused on who I want to serve, what my mission is, and how I want to show up. So pretty much since the start of this crisis and lockdown, I have been in productive mode, creative mode, and being of service mode. So I'm in a great place because everything's kind of happening all at once um, as I wanted it to. I guess the the crisis or the major thing that I'm dealing with is the capacity to write my third book right now, which I'm working on, and to really flow with this membership and to make sure that I'm, I've got the energy and I'm giving myself the time out as well because freedom is really important to me. So it's a, it's a great problem to have. <laughs> um, actually, sorry, I will tell you, even a couple of weeks ago, months ago, I realized that I needed to build out my team more. And I was really fortunate to find a fantastic online business manager slash VA. But I feel like that had been a bottleneck for ages. I, I had a virtual assistant who'd been with me for years and she was really good. But I realized that I needed somebody who was willing to step up and manage more and be more strategic with me. And I think I've held off way too long on finding that person. And now I'm really thrilled. And they're in New Zealand, which is even more awesome. So I feel, again, super lucky. But yeah, right now I can't, <laughs> I can't speak to that. Things are going well. Well, that's a good thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> the the issues that you're having is like a lot of the issues that most of us would like to have. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wasn't trying to show up there, but I feel like I've definitely had my moments of downs. And so it's really nice to be in a place of going, okay, awesome. This is, this is where we want to be. Absolutely. Now, take us through how you actually figure out 
when to start creating a new product? I mean, how do you figure that out? What to give your clients? I know you had mentioned asking them first to really understand what you're going to be putting out, but what are your strategies in order to start putting out new products for for your company, for your business? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there. I ask people all the time, probably my community knows me for that best. As I, Every single year I do put out an annual survey and I get really, um, it's usually about nine to 10 questions, but it gets deep into the heart of where they're at right now, what their biggest challenge is related to building your online business or growing it, what content they are consuming, what areas they're wanting to learn in how they consume my content, what they're needing most. And the gold nuggets I get from analyzing those responses is just fundamental to me appreciating, okay, this is where they're at and I get to meet them halfway or or meet them where they're at even. Another big way that I do that is just consistently asking when people have been through my courses, where are they at? What What else do they need? And they often will tell me like, I need further accountability or I'd like to do this now, or I'd like to learn about this, or I'd like to continue on. So a lot of my memberships or courses come out of just listening to what my clients and customers are saying and what they're wanting. And the other big thing that's helped me massively and I did this for the suitcase entrepreneur and I've only recently done it for my business because I think it does take time as a creating a mission, a really clear mission on who you want to serve and how you want to help. And I didn't have one in my Natalie Sisson business or platform for a while because quite frankly, after the identity shift from the suitcase entrepreneur, I was still figuring out exactly what I wanted my life to look like right now and how I wanted to show up and what legacy I wanted to leave. And I came up with my mission pretty much in sort of January, February this year. And since that, it's aligned everything for me. Can I share it with you? Yeah, absolutely. So my mission is to help 1,000 women earn 10000 a month and contribute at least 1% of that each month to a charity or cause that they really love. And I wouldn't normally be so specific on the numbers, but I know that 10K a month is, is pretty considerable and a bit of a dreamy amount for a lot of women in business. Second, I went for women only. I've always served everybody in my community, but I've realized over the years that 80 to 90% of my customers are women. And I think they do have certain ways of going about business that are just really unique. And I want to step up and help them grow because consistently we're never paid as much and we don't earn as much and all those good things. And I also know that women helping women is hugely important. And if you help a young girl or a woman in a community, she will grow that entire community so that's where the contribution part came in and once I ran the numbers I was like that's exciting that's like you know several million that over the space of the next two to three years if I can make my mission come true and have an impact on a thousand women's lives starting with 10 then to 100 and then beyond the ripple effect of that is massive so it just got me really juiced and excited once I hit on it and then it aligned everything I was doing like it allowed me to say no to all these ideas and products that I had in my mind and go no they're not the people that you're wanting to serve here it's a certain type of woman in a certain established phase of her business who's earning you know several thousand already and wants to go to the next level in order to be able to step up and be of greater service so to answer your question I think the more you ask and the more you refine your vision and your why the clearer you get on exactly how you want to turn up and offer. Otherwise, you could be distracted all the time by by trying to create things for everybody. Yeah, shiny object syndrome is definitely something that we (laughs) have an issue with. And like you said, when you have a clear mission, you know exactly what to take in and what to put out. Yeah, exactly. 
So my next question, you probably have answered it already, but you know, I would assume that it's the answer, but just in case. So let's fast forward to 30 to 40 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, so how many years are we going for? About 30, let's say. Oh, wow. I don't think I've (laughs) ever, ever heard that question before. Crap. Okay. So I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, I'll be in my 70s. So I hope that I have a beautiful property filled with so many dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> with lots of nature and land. And I hope that I'll still be continuing to hold beautiful retreat for writers. I'm a big fan of writing books and I love the process. of. Um, yeah, so I think for me by then I'll be semi-retired with an amazing, I guess, not, I'm not going to say a charity, but a foundation, the Freedom Foundation that has millions of dollars in it from this mission that I'm on. And it serves and helps a number of women-led causes over the years. And it's had a massive impact on those women's lives. And they've gone on to do so much with that as well and start their own foundations or charities or businesses. And I just love to say that I hold sort of retreats out here with some of those women leaders and we gather and talk about the future and how we can make an impact. So yeah, to me, it's about continually being around super smart, wonderful people who are doing good in the world and being the place, the grounded place that they can come to for gatherings and retreats to reflect and do the deep work on what they're going to do next. That feels pretty beautiful to me. Yeah, me too. I mean, that is something that will be super exciting to see in the next, you know, 20 to 30 years from now, Natalie. And, you know, you're already starting that. It's the beginning of this. So I know. So cool. I can't wait to see all of that. Thank you for asking (laughs) the question. I love it. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Oh, well, I would love, love, love for them to check out um, my podcast, especially because you're on it, which is the Untapped podcast. You can search on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the good places. But also, if they want to come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash offbeat life, I have a little gift there for them, which is a guide on basically nine steps to monetize yourself and get paid to be you. It's an audio and a workbook. So I thought I would leave that there for your listeners. If that is something that they're wanting to do, I know they learn heaps from you, but that's my gift today. Perfect. Thank you so much, Natalie. And thank you so much for that awesome gift that you just gave us. We really appreciate all of the tips that you gave us today. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Natalie. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to create sales funnels to help your businesses grow and profit. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreateapodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreateapodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. 
Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.